Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In our services last weekend, the scripture readings and Pastor Copen's message all really focused on one theme, the theme of love, and love that, that has shown itself not just in our hearts, but in our lives, in our actions, in our words, and in our deeds. It is a love that is first shown to us by Christ himself, but it is then that love that is lived out through us. This is what our God calls us to, and this is a really important message for us today in this world, in our current situation. Because that command for us to love one another is a reminder that, that we need to reach out, that we need to be reaching out to the people around us. Love causes us to do this. Just as God came down into this world from heaven out of his great love for all of humanity, so we reach out to the people around us in that same kind of love, in that same kind of dedication. And the reason why I say that's such an important message today in our current situation is because what tends to happen when we live in this world of sin and brokenness, and boy, how aware we are of the brokenness of our world in our current situation. When we live in that world of sin and brokenness, it, it brings that brokenness of the world into our hearts. And not as if that brokenness weren't already a part of our lives, but it becomes felt and experienced even more. And when that happens, what often follows is that we suffer, that we experience suffering. The suffering that is going on in this world comes into our own lives. And when that happens, we tend to draw inward we tend to close ourselves off. It's funny that, that when you tell a joke, you can tell it to one person and there might be a few chuckles, but you tell it to many people and the laughter increases. The joke becomes funnier. But something also happens when we experience suffering. It's the opposite of that. See, when there is laughter, we want to share that with more and more and more people. But when the tears come, when grief becomes our lot in life, rather than reaching out to the people around us, we draw inward. Suffering causes this. Grief causes this. Sin causes this. And we feel more and more isolated we feel more and more alone. Maybe you've experienced that in your life with what's going on now. Everybody has experienced this all a little differently, but I think in one shape or another, we are all in a state of grief, not only for things that we have experienced in the past, but, but the grief that is just an ongoing process. Months ago, that, that initial grief came at maybe losing some of your plans, 
maybe you had a vacation planned, you had a wedding planned, a birthday party planned. Maybe it came because your school year didn't finish the way that you anticipated. Maybe your sporting season didn't end the way you thought it would. Maybe you didn't get that job that, that was promised, that was there, because all of a sudden the situation in our world changed and you lost it. Maybe you have lost a loved one perhaps not to COVID-19, but to some other thing. And you experienced the loss of not being able to have a normal funeral, a, a normal memorial service for them, to bring all of your friends and family together and to grieve and to be comforted by one another. Maybe you've lost a job. See, there are so many different ways, and I've probably only scratched the surface, haven't I? that we have all experienced loss and grief. And maybe you haven't shed tears over your specific loss. Maybe you don't cry over the grief that you feel inside, but you're still experiencing it. You're still feeling it. And it probably has to find a way out in some shape or form. Maybe the thing that you are feeling in your heart causes you to pull back a little bit. When somebody asks you how things are going or, you know, how you're feeling, you, you just, you don't want to get into all of that because of all of the pain, because of all of the things that you are feeling. And so you don't talk about it to them. Instead of opening up to that person, you draw inward, you close off. And instead of feeling closeness in your relationships, you start to feel more distant. Or maybe it's the opposite for you. Maybe you're not the person who is experiencing the grief, but maybe you're the person that has reached out to somebody and they pour their hearts out to you and they tell you everything that is wrong and you quickly become overwhelmed by how great their own suffering is. And what do you do? What do you say? You, you feel at a loss. You feel helpless. And so you just kind of nod your head and you make a mental note. Don't talk to that person anymore. They're, they're a downer. There's nothing I can do. And what happens? You pull away from that relationship. The, the openness that you have starts to go away because you know that you can talk to them about many things, but don't talk to them about the things of their heart. Don't talk to them about the really important things in their life. And so on an interpersonal, relational level, what happens when we live in this world of suffering? What happens when we live in a world where we are all grieving? We become separated from one another. We tend to draw inward. We tend to feel more isolation and we feel more alone than ever. Now, add to that the fact that we are supposed to be social distancing, that we are supposed to be spending less and less time with the people around us, at least not in very close proximity. And you have that perfect recipe for people to feel alone and not just to feel alone, but to be alone. There's nobody around them. And what a terrible situation this is. 
because God did not mean for us to be alone. But it goes beyond that, doesn't it? It's not just that when suffering hits, we, we separate ourselves from others. It's God. It's our relationship with him. That gets affected when we suffer as well, doesn't it? If you have experienced a, a time of great trial and suffering, you know that there are those doubts. There are those voices in your head that creep into the situation. God, where were you? God, how could you let something like this happen to me at this time? And we don't know what to do. C.S. Lewis, in his wonderful little book, A Grief Observed, talks about how he experienced grief over losing his wife. And as he reflected back, he said, you know, in the good times in my life, it felt like God was very present and that he was a part of, of the joys and all of the good things that were happening. But when something bad happened, when the grief really hit, it felt like God wasn't there. It felt like God was absent and that he had abandoned me. And maybe you have felt that as well. In those times when things are going wrong, maybe you want to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or God, how long, how long will this last? How long will I be in suffering and misery? And you may not feel that God answers those questions. He doesn't seem to respond to you. And so that feeling of isolation, that feeling of separation, it only compounds itself. You feel not only separated from the people around you, but separated, isolated, and alone. That God himself isn't a part of your life. And I think we've all been there. I think in some way we've all felt these feelings, whether it has to do with our interpersonal relationships or our relationship with God. And so that's where our epistle lesson today, it, it speaks a very important truth. It speaks an important truth to those feelings that we have in our heart. And it says those feelings are not true. Those feelings are not right. There is something that we need to know. We need to know that God knows our suffering, that he knows our suffering. It's not that our suffering doesn't matter to God or that it's unimportant. He knows about it. We are not alone in our suffering. It is not as if God doesn't care. Our God does care. And in fact, God is at work in our suffering, in a way that none of us fully understand, in a way that none of us can really comprehend. But Paul says it this way, that, that in all things, that is, yes, in the good times, but especially in the bad times. Because in the good times, we kind of get it. We think that God is there, as C.S. Lewis said, that he is involved in our lives. But in those bad times, when we don't think that God is with us, when we think that God is absent, that God has left us to ourselves. Paul says, in all things, in good 
and in bad, in joy and in suffering, God is at work. God is at work. And for those who love him, for those who trust in him, for those who, who know that God can be counted on, he's working for good, for good for our good, for that ultimate good that only God can bring. Now, the hardest part about that particular verse is the good. What does that good look like? Because we usually think we know what the good will be. If we are sick, the good is that we will be healed. If a relationship is broken, it is that that relationship will be restored. If we lost our job, the good is that we will get that job back. And that's not always necessarily the good that God is up to. See, the harder part for us is to know that God knows our suffering and knows what he can do in that suffering and the good that he can bring out of it. I know when we are knee deep in grief, in suffering, in isolation, in loneliness, we can't see the good. We can only trust it. But we can trust that God is working good in all things. Now, if you go back in history, you can see that the good that God is working is not a good that means that there will be an absence of suffering. It is not a good that means that everything will be okay. You will never have any more problems. The good that God is bringing might take the form of creating more patience in us. It might come in the form of developing perseverance in us, developing our character, developing our trust and reliance on God. That may not be the thing that you are praying for in the midst of your own suffering, but that is the good that God wants to give you because it's gifts of God's goodness that ultimately will last. It's gifts that come from God's goodness that are the gifts that we need the most. See, sometimes we think the most important part of, of suffering is that it, it will just end, that, that something will get better. The, the most important part is that suffering doesn't have the last word. But then we look at our lives, we look at our own experiences, and how often is it that suffering does seem to get the last word? Maybe the door is slammed shut in your face. Maybe your boss calls you and says, I'm sorry, we've got to let you go. Maybe the doctor says, we've looked at the test and the results aren't good. Maybe it comes in the form of that casket being lowered down into the ground. And from our perspective, it seems like suffering won. That suffering has the last word. That sin has the last word. That the devil has the last word. That death has the last word. But by faith, 
by our trust in the Lord, we know that that is a lie. We know that God has the final word. And God's word to us is a word of life. It is a word of restoration. It is a word of reconciliation. God gives us the gift of his love, and it is a love that brings life into our bodies. And so even death, it doesn't get the last word. We will be raised from the dead. These bodies will be given life once more. The, the things that we want in this life, God gives to us for a time, for a period, but he will give us his gifts throughout all eternity in his kingdom, which will have no end. See, God's word is always the last word. We must remember that even in our time of suffering, and when we know that God's word is the last word, we can remember that the last word, it's a word of peace. It's a word of love. It's a word of hope. Because it's a word that comes from our loving Father. Our loving Father. See, there it is again, that focus on God's love. When suffering comes and we want to turn inward, when we feel the separation and the isolation from our own sin and the brokenness of this world, God does not leave us to feel separated. He does not leave us alone in our suffering. He knows our suffering and he has done something about it. He has come into this world. He has come into this world by sending his son, Jesus. And Jesus is that light that comes into the midst of our darkness. He is the life that comes in the midst of our world of death. He is that word of reconciliation that comes into our wor world of hatred and division. Jesus comes into this world to lay down his own life. That is his love for us, and his love for us is that powerful word that changes everything. Jesus comes into this world to suffer. God knows our suffering because he takes the suffering that we experience upon himself, but it's, it's even better than that. Jesus should have known no suffering, for there was no sin in him. But Jesus takes on our grief. He takes on our sin, our suffering, our isolation, and he is nailed to a cross where he is utterly forsaken, utterly alone, so that you and I never have to be. So that you and I can know that in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our grief, Jesus is there and that he has experienced it all and that he will never leave us. His love is so powerful, so great, that it enters into those places where we won't let anyone else come in. And it heals us. It, it, it brings us hope. It brings us joy. It brings us life. See, the message of Paul's letter to the Romans there is that 
we're never alone. In Jesus, we are never alone. And I want to get this right, just, just to make sure that I don't miss something here. Because what is it today that makes you feel alone? What is it today that is causing your suffering that makes you feel distant from others, but especially distant from God? Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Can any of those things separate us from that love of Christ? Paul says, no, none of those things. In fact, we are more than conquerors in all of these things. Not that we ourselves can defeat those things, but that Christ has defeated all of those things for us because all of those things come from sin and sin has been upended. Our sin has been forgiven. The sin that breaks this world has been broken and Christ brings new life and restoration into this world. Paul says, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did Paul miss something? Is there something there that you think he missed that really will separate you from Christ? will separate you from God's love? No. Paul wasn't trying to be exhaustive. He wasn't trying to list off everything. You, you, you wouldn't read that and say, oh, well, he didn't, he didn't talk about COVID-19. He, he didn't talk about our plans being derailed. He, he didn't talk about our, our church not being able to gather and celebrate in the usual manner. He didn't need to. The point Paul's trying to say is there's nothing, not even those things, not even the things that you feel weighing on your heart. Those things don't separate you from God's love. God's love breaks into your brokenness. It breaks into your isolation it breaks into your separation. It breaks into your sin. And he gives you hope. He gives you life. He gives you peace. He gives you love. And all of those things are yours. They are guaranteed because they were one for you by Jesus, by his own entering into this world, by his death, by his resurrection, by his ascension. And even now, even as we speak, he is with you. And Paul says, he's praying for you. You're not alone.
God has given you a family of brothers and sisters in Christ. God has given you Jesus, his son. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen.